Right, we're in Acts chapter 2, please, tonight. In the book of Acts chapter 2, and beginning to read at the first verse. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. Now when we come to a new chapter in the Bible, we, we always remember that the chapters are put there, the division is just for our help. It's not an inspired division, it just helps us find a way around the book, locate the passage we're looking for. Roughly speaking, it does tend to divide up major incidents from one another. And chapter 2 here follows on from chapter 1 where the disciples have been gathered together in prayer and where a replacement for Judas had been selected. And then when we look at chapter 2 here the, we can look across the chapter and we can divide it up and we can see that in the first four verses we have the coming of the Holy Spirit and then in verses 5 through 13 we have the public reaction to what happened and then verses 14 to verse 40 we have Peter's use of the opportunity, Peter's proclamation, and finally, verses 41 through 47, we have new converts with new life in the church. But tonight, I just want us to concentrate upon the first three verses of the chapter and see what we can understand from these verses and what we can learn from them as we have these few minutes it's very easy to pass over the first few verses here and to jump straight in the meat of the chapter as you might see it the the main things that happened in a way. But actually, the main thing that happened is in these three verses. This is the main incident of the chapter. Everything else that we read about followed on from what happens here. Now, the start of the chapter there, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come. We have this word Pentecost. It's not an English word. It's a Greek word. It's been brought straight over 
from the Greek Pentecosta. It simply means 50th. And that's all it means literally. But it actually came to signify as the name of one of the three major festivals that were laid down. One of the three festivals when all the men of Israel, certainly all those within relatively easy travelling distance, were expected, were commanded to go up to Jerusalem to the temple each year. We have it here called Pentecost. And in the uh, books of Moses where we find it laid down, we find it described in Deuteronomy chapter 16, verses 9 and 10 is the Feast of Weeks. Exodus 23, 16, Harvest. Numbers 28, verse 26, the Feast of Firstfruits. But it was the one feast. And if we look now at Leviticus chapter 23, we'll see these feasts laid out in uh, order. 23 and verse 5 there. In the 14th day of the first month, at even is the Lord's Passover. What was Passover? The Passover, if you remember, was that final plague that struck the Egyptians, the death of the firstborn of every family. But the Israelites were commanded. They killed a lamb, put the blood upon the doorposts, when the angel of the Lord came, he would pass over when he saw the blood. And that reminds us, in the, John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God. And the Lord Jesus died at the time of Passover. The Lord Jesus is our Passover sacrifice. And immediately following that, there we read about the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Chapter 23, verse 6, it's the Feast of Unleavened Bread. That followed immediately on there. And that in verse 10, you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest unto the priest. This marked the start of the barley harvest. And they took a sheaf and they waved it as an offering to the Lord. And that's reminiscent of the Lord Jesus and his resurrection. From the dead. He was the first fruit. 
of them that slept. And we read about that in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20. These feasts have lessons and meanings for us. In verse 15, we read, And ye shall count unto you from the morrow after the Sabbath, from the day that ye brought the sheaf of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths shall be complete, even unto the morrow after the seventh Sabbath shall ye number fifty days, and ye shall offer a new meat offering unto the Lord. Ye shall bring out of your habitations two wave loaves, two tenth deals, and they shall be of fine flour, they shall be bacon with leaven, they are the first fruits unto the Lord. And this had respect to the, the wheat harvest. And as you see there, it was seven Sabbaths and the next day. Seven sevens, 49 plus 1 makes 50. And that came to be what it was called with the Greek word Pentecost and that's how they referred to it and just finally in Leviticus 23 at the 26th verse and the Lord spake unto Moses saying also on the 10th day of the 7th month there shall be a day of atonement it shall be a holy convocation unto you he shall afflict your souls and, and offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. So we see there, those are the, the three great feasts. And this is the second of them. Fifty days after the Lord Jesus had died and then his resurrection when the day of Pentecost was fully come now this would suggest that well it certainly means if you remember we read in Genesis there the evening and the morning was the first day that's how they counted days the evening and the morning night and day night and day from sunset all the way around to the next sunset it meant it was daylight it was daytime that's certainly what it means but I was looking at this word and it was interesting to see that this this word that's translated fully come is only it only occurs in three places one is in Luke and uh, chapter 8 and at the 23rd verse you remember the, the Lord and the disciples were in a ship verse 23 they in a ship on the lake but as they sailed he, that is Christ, fell asleep. He fell asleep. And there came down a storm of wind on the lake. And they were filled 
this water and we're in jeopardy. What a position to be in. The Lord Jesus is in the boat. They're on a lake. The storm comes and the boat fills with water. And they were in great fear. In great fear because the Lord Jesus was asleep. But that word there, filled, is the same word. And it here has the sense of being overwhelmed with the water. Well, it wouldn't be particularly significant, perhaps, if that was the only other reference to it. But there's another one. In Luke chapter 9, verse 51, Luke chapter 9 and verse 51, And it came to pass, when the time was come, that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. When the time was come. Well, that there is the same word as we have in Acts chapter 2. When the time was come that he should be received up. You see, there was a set time in God's plan when the Lord Jesus would die. And that time came with the coming of the Passover time. That particular year. It was God's time. There had been times before when they were going to take the Lord and cast them over the brow of a hill. There was times when they wanted to arrest him. When they were filled with vehemence and wanted to do him away. But his time was not yet. But now, his time has come. And he sets his face to go to Jerusalem. He's ready to go and die. And here, in Acts chapter 2, and the first verse, when the day of Pentecost was fully come. This was what the day of Pentecost had been waiting for. All those years. This was the time. The Lord's time. The disciples had been waiting. They'd been told to tarry at Jerusalem. They had had the promise of the Comforter. They had been obedient. But the Spirit came. In God's time. Not man's time. And that's how the Lord works things. He runs things to his time. Let's fully come. They were all. They. Who's the they? Well, we've seen who they are. 
when we looked back in chapter 1. And we saw there the verse 15 of chapter 1 the number of the names together were about 120 about 120 don't know exactly about 120 these were gathered here on the day of Pentecost and they were all with one accord we've seen that before when we were in chapter 1 verse 14 these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication and here they are in one accord and this this word homo fumado literally means breathing hard together of one passion they went just together in the one room they were all bound up in that single purpose before the Lord Do we know anything of this? We, we meet together. But do we know any of this? Singleness of purpose. This is one of the themes that comes up in the book of Acts. But you know, it's not just the mm. Lord's people in the book of Acts who are of one accord and also the Lord's enemies are of one accord remember when Stephen had been preaching what did the enemies do? they with one accord took up stones to stone him And Paul would later say that he was there also, consenting unto his death. The enemies of the Lord were of one purpose. And we see that today so often. The enemies of the Lord sometimes make common purpose together. They seem to make a great impression. And to be doing great things destructively just like they did when they killed Stephen but it didn't stop the gospel I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it that's what the Lord Jesus promised and that holds true today you know the Lord Jesus spoke to us well he prayed about the unity of his people. John chapter 17. John's Gospel chapter 17. A part of this passage here is a very popular popular 
phrase with some but it's rather turned inside out upside down and twisted out of all shape chapter 17 and the 21st verse verse 20 there neither pray I for these alone but for them also which shall believe on me through their word that they may all be one as thou father art in me and I in thee that they also may be one in us that the world may believe that thou hast sent me and you see there's that unity the unity of the father and the son there's that unity of the Lord's people with the father and the son but you see there's a bit more to just being united together it's a very common sort of popular idea today churches in the very broadest sense of that word but the Lord Jesus said that if you look back up the chapter there the Lord Jesus said in verse 14 I have given them thy word and the world hath hated them because they are not of the world even as I am not of the world I have given them thy word verse 17 sanctify them through thy truth thy word is truth you see Lord Jesus said unity is vital but unity is vital on the basis of his word which is truth that is the unity we are to seek the unity of all those who love the Lord Jesus the unity that we have when we come to God's word reverentially believingly putting it into practice that is the unity that we should have and suddenly Acts chapter 2 verse 2 and suddenly there came a sound from heaven they weren't expecting it at that moment remember Paul was in a jail in prison, locked up Philippi what happened? suddenly an earthquake came wasn't expected people usually don't expect earthquakes that's why they do so much damage suddenly that reminds us too the Lord Jesus is coming again he's coming as a thief in the night when people are not expecting it no man knoweth the day nor the hour and we have to live with his coming in view looking for his coming being active whilst we wait and suddenly there came a sound from heaven they heard something a sound from heaven 
as of a rushing mighty wind. It wasn't the wind, it wasn't a wind, but it sounded like a rushing mighty wind. There's a, an emphasis here on the power of the sound. It sounded like a terrible gale blowing. It's reminiscent of how at Sinai when the law was given there was thunder. The awesome majesty and power of God was displayed. And this sound here as of a rushing mighty wind The word for wind is the same word that is used for breath. And that applies equally to the Hebrew word and the Greek word. The, the Hebrew in the Old Testament, the Greek in the New Testament. They both use the same word for wind and breath. And when we look at that verse there, it Reminds somewhat of the the word that was given to Ezekiel, Ezekiel thirty-seven verse nine. Ezekiel thirty-seven. This is the prophecy involving the dry bones. But when we come down to verse 9, we read, Ezekiel 37, verse 9. Ezekiel will find in the Old Testament, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations. Verse 9. Then said he unto me, Prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. You see here, the, the wind brought life, brought breath. And when we find in Acts chapter 2 here this, this what wasn't wind but as as of a rushing mighty wind this was going to bring power and it filled all the house but there wasn't a part of the house that was missed out. There wasn't one part that got more of it and another less. It filled all the house where they were sitting. We don't know which house this was. We're not told. And I think we're not told with good reason. Because you know what would have happened if we'd been told which house it was? Somebody would have turned it into a shrine. And there would be Thousands upon thousands of visitors turning up there every year. And somebody else would be making a fortune out of them. But that is not the basis of our faith. 
We are not people who visit shrines. We are people who worship and serve the living God. We are those who love and serve the risen Lord Jesus. We are those who have the Holy Spirit. We are those who when we meet together know Christ's presence in our midst even as he promised. We are not to be looking for shrines and specially sacred places. Verse 3 And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire and it sat upon each of them. Fire came as it were looked like fire looked like flames into this house and it would seem divided up as if a flame came and sat upon each person's head, so to speak. You've seen a candle burn, the flame on the candle. It looks rather like a tongue. And, and that's what it seems to have looked somewhat like. What does this remind us of? Well, it reminded me of several things. If we go back to the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve were excluded from the garden, what happened? God set cherubim with a flaming sword to guard the way to keep them from the tree of life. And that was fire that excluded because of their defilement, sin, rebellion. We know that sin and rebellion in our hearts. The natural man receiveth not the things of God, and neither can he know them. But then, you remember also Moses. Moses was out looking after the sheep in the desert. What happened? He noticed the bush. What was, what was the bush doing? The bush was filled with flames, but but the bush wasn't burnt. An angel of the Lord spoke to him out of the bush that didn't burn. You remember, he was told that the ground that he was standing on was holy ground, and he was to take his shoes off. And that again, it spoke of God's holiness. And then, perhaps a little less familiar to us, we look there at Ezekiel again. Ezekiel, the first chapter. Ezekiel chapter 1. And verse 4. In this chapter, some of us at least, we, we looked at this many months ago in brief. And, and we noticed this great vision that 
Ezekiel was given. There's lots of details in it, but you need to stand back and see the whole picture. That's, that's what Ezekiel was really given, was the whole picture in one go. He saw something of God's holiness in this vision. And, and, and that's what one needs to grasp. But there are details in this. And when we come to verse 4, And I looked, and behold, a whirlwind came out of the north, a great cloud, and a fire enfolded in itself, and a brightness was about it, out of the midst thereof, as of the colour of amber, out of the midst of the fire. And then down to verse 27. And I saw as the colour of amber, as the appearance of fire round about within it, from the appearance of his loins even upward, and from the appearance of his loins even downward, I saw as it were the appearance of fire, and it had brightness round about. This amazing vision that Ezekiel was given it contained these references to the fire. Remember too, the, the Alpha and the Omega. In Revelation, there's references there to his eyes. And the fire. And we can see something of this if we turn back to Isaiah chapter 6 what the fire did for Isaiah Isaiah was given this vision something of the glory of God and Isaiah here in chapter 6 you know in, chapter, in verse 5 there then said I woe is me for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. You know, when Isaiah saw something of God's glory, he was overwhelmed with a sense of his sin. His sin repulsed him. He realized he could do nothing before the Holy God. Woe was me. But what was the response? Verse 6. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongues from off the altar, and he laid it upon my mouth, and said, Lo, this has touched thy lip, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. See, this, this live coal, this fire from off the altar, brought cleansing, it, it sanctified him. It made him holy uh, to do the work of God. Remember later on the Lord Jesus warned, warned of fire that will not be quenched. Those who die in their sins, those who die rejecting the Lord Jesus will have to face the unquenchable fire of God's wrath. But this fire here 
these tongues as if they were fire it sat upon each of them it wasn't that there was separate bits of fire for each of them in some mysterious way the one sat upon each of them as an individual tongue I don't know how to describe it I don't think any of us could but there was the one that somehow divided into with individual tongues that came from it onto each of them there was one Holy Spirit that came upon them all upon each of them you see there was no special class there was no special blessing for one group as against another all of them had the same experience all of them had the same blessing here it reminds me Ephesians chapter 4 Ephesians chapter 4 we read there I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called with all lowliness and meekness with long suffering forbearing one another in love endeavouring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace there is one body and one spirit even as ye are called in one hope of your calling one Lord, one faith, one baptism one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ you see there is to be this unity within the Lord's people there's to be this unity in the local assembly if you know and love the Lord Jesus you are to be at one with your brothers and sisters there's no special group there's no special gifts or blessings oh yes talents are given differently one person may have a particular more public talent and another a quieter less public talent but there's one Lord and each is responsible to use what has been given for the Lord's glory to the fullest extent as it was given we are members one of another members of the same body and so I trust that we will ponder on these few words of this glorious event speaking to us of God's holiness 
for the coming of the Holy Spirit to empower His people. Dwell with His people. So that we might go forwards knowing that unity. Knowing one Lord. One faith. One body. One spirit. Endeavouring to keep the unity of the spirit in the body. In the bond of peace. Amen.